All right, it's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Happy Friday. Happy Friday to you, and it was an historic Friday at the Vatican today. It certainly was. Pope Francis issuing that long-awaited apology to First Nations and Indigenous people mm-hmm. in Canada for the legacy yep. of the residential schools. Let's have a listen here, To Here is Pope Francis, that apology. You'll hear the voice of an interpreter here. Have a listen sorrow and shame for the role that a number of Catholics, particularly those with educational responsibilities, have had in all these things that wounded you, in the abuses you suffered and in the lack of respect shown for your identity, your culture, and even your spiritual values. Okay, so that was a pretty major apology there from the Pope this morning, and he says that's not the end of it. He, he also be- promised to visit Canada probably deliver the apology here in person too. Oh, I would think he's going to visit more than just one province as well because there's 139 residential schools right across the country. Uh, Not all of them run by the Catholic Church, but the majority of them were. So I I expect him to come to BC at some point in uh, in 2023 and issue that apology in person. So it's it's a landmark day, but you know, it's still more symbolic than anything else. Yeah, although I'll tell you indigenous leaders very happy about yeah. it. Uh, they say that basically for them, they say it it begins the uh, path to reconciliation. Yeah, I don't think we should underestimate the importance of this moment here with this apology because for a lot of Indigenous people, despite the pain of the residential schools, a lot of them are Catholics. I mean, they continue to mm-hmm. they continue to identify as Catholics. Yep. Um, a lot of them admire this this Pope. And to hear those words spoken today at the Vatican was a very moving experience very, for a lot of Indigenous very, people. Um, very much a landmark yeah. day. Yeah, for sure. And uh, reaction coming in from across the country and here in British Columbia. Let's go back to the Vatican here. You'll hear Chief Gerald Anthony here from the Assembly of First Nations and his thoughts. His Holiness Pope Francis has issued a long overdue apology for the Roman Catholic role in church-run residential school. It's a historical first step. However, only a first step. Okay, so he says it's only a first First step. step. What are the other steps? Not entirely clear. Uh, uh, Again, it's a, this is a historical blight on uh, Canada's past. Uh, An apology is one thing. Well, we'll see uh, what else happens here. I mean, the Catholic Church also has a responsibility to to, uh, share records. That's one of the issues right here. That's a big one. It's a big one. The documents are lacking. Yeah. Uh, J- Justin Trudeau was in Williams Lake this week talking about uh, potentially accessing those records again. Yeah. He says the, the privacy considerations have to be put aside. That's what's been blocking some of the release of some of these documents of, of, of just what happened to some of the kids in these schools. Uh, and it was interesting that the Prime Minister went out of his way to say privacy concerns have to be shelved. This is not that should not be used as an impediment to releasing this information to people. Yeah, a, a lot of uh, first Indigenous leaders have been calling for the release of records that are held by the government and also by the church mm-hmm. about how these residential schools were run, where kids were buried, what happened to these children. And now a lot of levels of government saying, well, a lot of the major records have been disclosed. The Canadian Conference of Catholic Bishops has said, well, and we've disclosed records. But the people who are intimately involved through the truth and reconciliation process in Canada would say, no, there are still records being held and we want them released. So there will be continuing well, pressure only, on them. Well, only records. But, uh, the Prime Minister was at Williams Lake at the St. Joseph's Mission School. And only a f- 
tiny fraction of the grounds have yeah. been surveyed in yeah. terms of or they found 93 um, images or reflections of potential burial sites but there's it's like using the ground penetrating radar yeah. and other technology and so the Prime Minister committed almost three million dollars for more technology to be used to survey more of the grounds there's, there's that's a very large area but that's just one school there's, like I say, 139 of these schools across the I think the it country. was in Williams Lake. I think it's something like 14 hectares, 14 hectares have been examined with this technology, and there are hundreds of hectares mm -hmm. of, of, of land there that was a, per, per, a previous uh, property of this yep. residential school. So that's what know. that $3 million is going to be used for there is to do that ground penetrating radar uh, to survey more of the land. The other issue is is money and it's not only money from the government because I think there's going to have to be a lot more money put on the table for this type of technology but would there be more compensation coming from the Catholic Church well, potentially. To, to families of res now there has been a settlement if you go back to 2005 there was a settlement that was called the Indian Residential School Settlement Agreement mm -hmm. which included the Catholic Church and other churches and notably the Anglican Church the United Church and the Presbyterian Church so there was money paid out in this agreement many years ago but people a lot of people were not satisfied with the amounts in that agreement and there are questions of whether all the money was even paid so there will continue to be pressure on the church and elsewhere for uh, for compensation oh yeah so, no that conversation is ongoing it's not yeah. it's not over uh, and it doesn't end with an apology even though today's apology was an historic moment when will Pope Francis visit Canada that's not scheduled yet no, the, the word from the First Nations uh, leaders who are at in Rome at at Vatican at the Vatican are they're suggesting twenty twenty three, but I don't okay. think nothing formal uh, or firm has been set yet. Okay, that's an historic apology delivered today by the Pope. Okay, closer to home today is April first. It's April Fool's Day, but it's also Carbon Tax Day in BC. So the carbon tax going up today. Yes, one cent. Um, <laughs> uh, one cent a liter. If you're at the, at the gas pump, it's one cent a liter. It's not. It's not a huge increase. But April first is also the start of the new fiscal year. Yeah. So I haven't got a list in front of me, but usually that means a whole bunch of, of fees and uh, kick in in terms of increases. Notably, uh, an exception: BC Hydro is actually reducing hydro rates by one little more than one percent, uh, with the expectation it's going to rise again over the next couple of years. So that that's sort of an anomaly. Hydro is actually reducing rates, but uh, um, and ICBC has reduced rates too in, in the past year. But uh, don't have the list in front of me. Generally, April first, the start of a new fiscal year, means the start of a new fee structure on a number of things. Well, BC Hydro rates are going down one point four percent today, but Hydro also saying. That won't last long. Next year, hydro rates expected to go up 2% and then up again in 2024 by another 2.7%. So a small decrease today in your hydro bill, but get set for it to rise higher in the but years th ahead. Those are actually, uh, if you look historically at hydro, those are actually uh, fairly low increases. Well, less than the inflation rate. Less than the inflation right. rate. We used to have hydro going up 5 or 6% a year. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's the good news is hydro. And I think ICBC will continue to keep rates down as well because they're flush with, with cash. So two crown corps performing well, but um, again... Uh, inflation in the neighborhood of 5%, you're going to be paying more uh, on a number of levels. I had Finance Minister Selena Robinson on the show earlier today, and we talked about the carbon tax going up today, and also the Liberals calling for that tax to go back to what they call revenue-neutral tax. And so don't forget, it was the Liberals who brought in the carbon mm -hmm. tax, but when they did, they said it was revenue-neutral. So anytime the carbon tax went up, 
other taxes were supposed to go down. Yeah, well, that stopped okay? a long time ago. Right. So the NDP <laughs> changed that and they said, no, we just bring this money into general revenue. But there, you know, a oh, lot well, of. Well, the liberals changed it too. It stopped being revenue neutral on the liberals' watch oh, uh, really? and, uh, oh. under Christy Clark. So I mean, when Gordon Campbell brought it in, there was a corresponding income tax cut. Uh, it was revenue neutral for a few years, but it stopped being revenue neutral. As the carbon tax increased in scope, it just became the revenue that came in from the carbon tax was greater than any tax cut. So it was Christy Clark that made the tax not revenue well, it just, neutral? It just, it just, it, no, it just evolved to that situation. As the carbon tax increased, remember yeah. Campbell brought in, a, it was fairly low, but as the carbon tax went up every year, the revenue increased every year. It did not match a tax cut on yeah. every year. So it stopped being revenue neutral on the Liberals' watch, and it continues well, to be not revenue neutral on the NDP. Well, there, there was a lot of arguments about whether this tax was, in fact, revenue neutral or whether it was just smoke and mirrors or just some mm -hmm. kind of shell game because... Like even the Fraser Institute, normally friendly to the liberals, right? Right-wing think tank. Even they said this is not revenue neutral. This is just kind of a, just moving money around. Yeah, well, I think it was revenue neutral the first couple of years because there was a, a, an income tax cut of significant size. But as the as I say, as the carbon tax grew and became larger and larger, uh, there was not tax cuts to keep pace with it. So it stopped being revenue neutral. Okay, real quickly, we've been talking about the political situation next door in Alberta with mm. Jason Kenney ex, uh, facing this leadership review for leadership of the United Conservative Party. And now we see people coming forward to challenge him, notably Danielle Smith. Yeah. So the former leader of the Wild Rose Party in, in Alberta, she famously crossed the floor to join the old Progressive Conservative Party in Alberta, which then merged into this yep. United Conservative Party. She then became a talk radio host uh, in Alberta. I've been on her show. Yeah, yeah, and so have I. And, uh, so now she says she's getting back into politics, mm -hmm. maybe gunning for Jason Kenney's job here. So let's go in the Wayback Machine here. So here is Danielle Smith interviewing Jason Kenney on a radio show. Have a listen to this. Premier, let me let me frame it this way. I get feedback from people who are losing faith in your government. Your supporters have this feeling that you're just not standing up to Justin Trudeau. Maybe you're just too busy, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of people who are feeling like you're just not standing up for Alberta. Well, uh, Danielle, at the same time, we have sued uh, the federal government on the carbon taxes we committed to do after repealing it. Uh, we won on a, f a four to one historic decision at the Alberta Appeal Court, which called the federal carbon tax a constitutional Trojan horse. Okay, so it went on from there. She is grilling Fasc on her show. Fascinating to watch the Alberta right, which is the majority of that population, just yeah. devour themselves. <laughs> I mean, you've got Danielle Smith, Ryan Jean. And Jason Kenney and a few others are just going to have a messy civil war there yeah. in that and that party. This is going to be a cage match over there if uh, Kenny loses this leadership review, which I think he will. So yeah, again, begs the question whether Kenny's going to try to engineer an election before he has to face that yeah, leadership. Right, that's the thing to keep an eye That's on. And, then, he, and yeah. Rachel Notley is sitting there over the NDP, not really high in the polls at all. Yeah. I mean, that the NDP sort of hits a wall with public support, but they may have the numbers to win an election. All right, welcome back. It's Baldry's Beat. This is Mike Smith. I've got lots of open phone lines here. If you want to call 604-280-9898, star 9898 in your cell. Rob in Chilliwack. Hi, Rob. Go ahead. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Um, say, Keith, the other day you mentioned that uh, in terms of the gas tax, the NDP wouldn't, wouldn't take that off the tax off the pump. Obviously, they didn't because they're coming out with their 110 and 165 for commercial drivers. You mentioned also that a lot of tax in that goes towards road improvement. So not only are the electric drivers getting this rebate, 
but they're not what are they putting towards uh road improvement in that by by plugging in at home you know all these green people they pat themselves on the back but really mike it would be a great show for you you should really look into it uh look they're going to be switching more towards lithium um because yeah. it holds a charge better but you also have to look at how they extract lithium mm-hmm. it's a mess it's, you know and they're oh yeah, they, they, oh, yeah. They, no, i mean they're no, using 2.1 million Thank you, Rob, for the million liters of water to yeah, create yep. one ton of lithium. And if you go, if you look, check it out. If you go to, uh, it's called the Lithium Triangle, uh, yeah. Chile, Argentina, and Bolivia. Uh, they're creating a mess with communities with wildlife because this is all leaching out. Thank you, and, Rob. Yeah, this no, is the lithium no, is to make the batteries that go into electric cars. Very good point, Rob. Uh, that is the dirty secret of electronic uh, vehicles: is lithium. It's a, it's a. A very controversial me- mineral to extract. There's allegations of using child labor to to extract this mineral. Uh, in terms of the tax going to road, road improvement, I'm not sure where I didn't say that. So it goes to tr- it goes 18.5 percent uh, of the tax go to TransLink. So for transit, uh, transit and TransLink. Actually, yeah. um, but in terms of road improvements, those come out of municipal budgets. Uh, unless it's a provincial highway, that's the only ta- some part pe- of the tax that goes to that. Some people will complain that if you're driving an electric vehicle and you're not getting dinged at the gas pump, that you're using the the road system and somehow you're getting a break. Now the way they might come after all the drivers, never mind if you're driving a gas-powered vehicle or an electric vehicle, is through mobility pricing, which is still potentially on the table and could be down the road. They, chart, they tax everybody. I dare the first politician to go forward with saying they're going to run on a campaign that brings in mobility pricing. Yeah. Because uh, the lesson we learned from the getting rid of the tolls, I mean, on one hand, this is what Andrew Weaver, the head of the Greens, used to argue. It's good public policy to have tolls, and maybe it is, but it's great politics to say I'm going to get rid of yeah. tolls. And it's the same thing with mobility pricing. It may make sense because it, it's used in Europe on a number, yeah. a number of cities, but I dare the first municipal politician to go ahead on an election platform with that as the key plank. Yeah, let's go to John on the North Shore. Hey, John. Hey, guys. Um, you know, you were saying that one cent isn't really a big deal, but if you figure it this way, one, one cent on $2 is half a percent. Half a percent on top of the inflation rate already inflicted on the people of Canada is a lot of points. Well, especially if you're commuting every day and you're filling up your gas tank a lot, um, it, it does it does tend to add up. Oh, it adds up most definitely. Um, again, the carbon tax has been embedded in our system Far longer than other provinces. So the increase today, the federal uh, carbon tax goes up as well. Right. Uh, we've already got ours increased, so we're, we're, we've matched the feds. Yeah. Uh, but you're gonna, if you're in uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, you're, the, the impact you're feeling today is significantly higher than you're feeling in B.C. Sure. Daryl in Coquitlam. Hi, Daryl. Go ahead. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Uh, I just want to comment on the uh, Alberta situation. My wife and I spend quite a bit of time in Calgary. And as opposed to uh, our premier, Jason Kenney spends a lot of time in front of the media, 24-7 he is Mm -hmm. politics, and he does not miss an opportunity to attack Justin Trudeau. And the the difference of being here in Metro Vancouver or being in in Calgary is... The vibe is totally, totally different. That's his whole claim to fame is attacking Ottawa. I'll just wait for your comment. Okay, thanks for that. Now, 30 seconds. Very good point. Uh, interesting piece, I think, was in the Globe yesterday, pointed out that um, Justin Trudeau and Doug Ford, 
suddenly formed a little bromance there. You got a conservative premier there who knows how to play the game. Kenny, because the Trudeau name is, you know, uh, bad news in, in Alberta, but he's quite, the caller's quite right. I mean, Kenny spends a lot of time in front of the cameras. Contrast to John Horgan, who does not. He doesn't want to be, uh, doesn't, Horgan doesn't really want a lot of face time. And as a result, he remains very popular. And Jason Kenney is very unpopular.